welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Alien, the the 1979 Alien, which was the winner of this year's Make Us Watch Whatever You Want fundraiser. Uh, So yeah, we've watched Alien, and we're going to do a podcast of it. I'm Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Mukowski. Mosley, my name's Mosley. Nobody calls me Mukowski, but my except my brother. I can't believe he did that, Kelly Wand. And also with an alien tagline, Kelly Wand. I should have known. I mean, why would I be surprised? Our alien tagline, Kelly Wand. Oh, what? It's Mosley. He did a Midnight Run reference. Yafet Kado. He goes straight to Midnight Run. Oh, I see what he did. <laughs> That's still douchey dingus. But anyway, I agree douchey, with Tom. Douchey dingus. Douchey dingus. Brett Kavanaugh's friend. Uh, tagline for Alien. Sorry, winner. You had to listen to all that. <laughs> Finally, a less scary version of Dark Star. <laughs> Uh-oh. Kelly Wan, do, do you have something that people under 40 might appreciate? When the first one kills, it's a bad sign for the rest of them. <laughs> With the fewer balloons. Uh, if you liked Prometheus, you're an idiot. <laughs> Keep them coming. Kelly Wan, these are two strong ones so far. I got four. Wow. Just like, okay. Because there's four alien movies. I don't count that other shit. <laughs> this one's kind of solemn. Uh, I admire its purity. <laughs> no, that's, that's cute. No, that's good. Yeah. It's All like right. using a line like from the. That. I like that. Yeah. Probably wasn't meant to be said that way. That's a, a serious <laughs> one. That's a serious one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, this movie kills me. <laughs> I didn't understand. Is that something someone says, or are you doing like a performance? It's a riff piece on there? "Kill Me." Kill oh, you're talking me. about the director's. Or the, yeah, okay. Well, we'll get into the that in a moment. The direct is from the director. Well, cut. we'll okay. Hold that thought, because Dingus, why don't you tell the listeners? Don't spoil anything in the plot. Maybe they haven't <laughs> seen it yet. But it's also the catchphrase of all the Alien movies. Um, it's from Aliens. You know, okay. It's from well, Alien Resurrection. Well, we'll we'll talk. But first, I have a bad feeling about this of Alien. I need Dingus to tell the listeners just the basics about the movie without spoiling things like the fact that someone wants to be killed. You're putting Dingus in charge of the basics? Ugh. (laughs) All right. I don't know what's going to happen now, but yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Dingus. This week we we saw Alien, a 1979 American science fiction. They didn't know they're in a horror movie. Movie. They really didn't, especially you, Lambert. You could actually argue that it's a British movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think you could too. But the thing is, um, Dan O'Bannon is an American screenwriter, ah. so uh, stoner. So I sort of weighed the scale. So anyway, uh, so anyway, they didn't know they're in a horror movie fundraiser movie about a mother. It was directed by Ridley Scott. And written by Dan O'Bannon. Ooh. Yeah. Ready? <laughs> wow. Okay. With, back. Dingus with nerds the... love Dan O'Bannon. I'm not sure if you know that. Odorowski's Dune. He's so funny yeah. in it. Nerds love Dan O'Bannon. That yeah. Was his, that was his rap name. It's like LL Cool J. Um, directed by Ridley Scott and written by Dan O'Bannon with story credit to him and Ronald Chusette. It stars Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, Veronica Cartwright, <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Yafet Kato, <laughs> uh, Ian Holm, 
Helen Horton and a Flurkin. Alien is rated R for sci-fi violence slash gore and language. Kelly Wan, is there any other reason it should be rated R? I watched this at age nine, and look how I came out. (laughs) (laughs) Says Ryan Gosling. Hello. (laughs) Alien is at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Uh, I actually... I was 97%. I was super curious... I was curious about negative reviews, and I want to read you guys uh, a couple Ooh. of reviews in a moment. Uh, on Metacritic, it's at 89. It opened at number one with $5.3 million. <laughs> People didn't get it. Like, it got mixed reviews when it came out. It did get mixed reviews. But commercially, commercially but though, it did, it did well. Like, I didn't realize. I don't think of it this way. It, it was a summer blockbuster. Like, yeah, that's how 20th Century dollars Inspired yeah. by Star Wars. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, $1979, but uh, it also had a weird we – I re- Star Wars. I re- I, so I want you guys two to we tell me – Star Wars. Yeah. I, I want you guys two to tell me. I want us to all go around the table here and talk about the first time we saw it. Yeah. And then, but but gonna... hold that thought. Let me just real quick. It would get uh, – from CinemaScore, it would get a B- minus because the people would be upset that their favorite characters died. They would complain that the Nostromo special effects looked fakey, and they would uh, be upset that you could barely see the alien. So it would get a B- minus. On Cinema if it Score. was released now, yeah. or yeah, yeah. I think at the time I don't think it would have got. No, the Cinema Score audience. people. If you were to right, the people now that are pulled by Cinema Score, that's what they would give. Oh, it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Pulled. Uh, the Dave Kerr is a fellow right now. If you go to the Museum of Modern Art and you're like, "Hey, who's in charge of curating film here?" <laughs> you would uh, you would come. To I a do fellow, that once a week when I'm in LA. You'd come to a fellow named Dave Kerr, who used to write reviews for the Chicago Tribune, the Chicago Reader. This is from his review for the Chicago Reader in 1979 for Alien. An empty-headed horror movie with nothing to recommend it beyond the disco-inspired art direction and some handsome cinematography. The science fiction trappings add little to the primitive conception, which features a rubber monster running amok in a spaceship. For the most part, things simply jump out and go boo. Instead of characters, true, yeah. instead of characters, the film has bodies. Some of them are lent by Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, Veronica Cartwright, and Yafet Kato. Dave Kerr. Vincent Canby at the New York Times. I like Times. disco, by so, the way. That was my favorite word. Actually, I think the Dave Kerr review is uh, – like I, that kind of review is just I'm going to do a clever takedown. I just – I have no value for that. The Vincent Canby review, however, in the New York Times I actually really like, and this is just an excerpt from it, uh, because it, it gets at uh, – like this I understand. Okay, the guy doesn't appreciate Alien for these reasons. He's coming from this perspective. Obviously, he'd write a negative review. Or he's squeamish. So, so he Vin- said uh, handsome cinematography. Is that how he put it? Handsome? Uh, handsome if gimmicky. I skipped the gimmicky part, but yes, that's how we put it. All right, so Derek Van Lint did the cinematography, and the only other thing that he really did of note was Dragon Slayer. Oh, the Disney oh, thing. Similar. Sure, yeah. It's yeah. kind of misty, too, and disco. So Vincent Canby at the New York Times says, The Nostromo stops to investigate uh, a, a craft, and when it takes off again for Earth, it carries aboard a specimen of alien life a small octopus-like blob that won't stop growing and, possibly worse, <laughs> is, quote, unclouded by conscience or delusions of morality, end quote. That's about all one should or can say about the story. <laughs> Alien is an extremely small, rather decent movie of its modest kind set inside a large, extremely fancy physical production. Don't race to it expecting the wit of Star Wars or the metaphysical pretensions of 2001 and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 
at its best, it recalls The Thing, though the Howard Hawks film was both more imaginatively and more economically dramatized. This is an old-fashioned scare movie about something that not only is implacably evil, but prone to jumping out at you when, the movie hopes, you least expect it. There was once a time this sort of thing was set in an old dark house on a moor in a thunderstorm. Those were the days. But being trendy, Ridley Scott and his associates have sent it up in space. Though Alien is not the seminal science fiction film one wants from him, it's executed (laughs) with a deal of the good deal of no-nonsense verve. So, yeah, I love that he... What's his review of Prometheus? (laughs) Uh, I think he's dead. (laughs) Uh, Finally, finally it answers our questions that we didn't ask. Uh, that was uh, good. I. It's not. Yeah. And there's more to it. Like there's more to it. He's obviously like like the fact that he uh, invokes Howard Hawks the thing. He Vincent Canby, yeah. I think is just super old school. Uh, and and he's right. he's giving it props for being a crowd pleaser and uh, for being technically proficient. And he stuff. found Star Wars witty too, so that's part of his taste. <laughs> uh, and then there's this from Frank Rich at Time Magazine. Uh, who also, and I, I, I know, I mean, I think this is just what was on the minds of critics at this point. He says, technically yeah. slick and commercially single-minded, this film attempts to cross-breed the scare tactics of Jaws with the sci-fi hardware of Star Wars. It's I think true, critic, yeah. I think critics at this point have been kind of traumatized by the blockbuster uh, mentality just barging into Hollywood yeah. after Steven Take Spielberg. Take it down, yeah. So that, that's part of, I think, what, what Frank Rich and Vincent Canby are, are uh, responding to. Frank Rich says, the result is a cinematic bastard and a pretty mean bastard at that. It contains a couple of genuine jolts, a barrage of convincing special effects, and enough gore to gross out children of all ages. What's missing is wit, imagination, and the vaguest hint of human feeling. Lucky for Aliens creators, such ingredients aren't essential at the nation's box office, especially during the sunstroke season. You can sort of tell these are people who are like resenting these, this Hollywood blockbuster thing that Jaws kicked off. Did um, they even watch this movie? Good lord. Well, I, like, I'm sa- like I said, I mean, I, I, I think I it's possible to... I understand what you're saying s- about the, the, the fatigue, because we're, we're experiencing the fatigue in the superhero genre now. Um, I want a kid's opinion. Because it came out when we were kids, and when you're a kid is when your taste is like. Well, that's what you're going to get. But first, Kelly Wand, I want a synopsis. I think this is the moment that a lot. This has been 40 years in the making, Kelly Wand. We've been waiting for this for some time. I know, has. I can't imagine it's called anything (laughs) other than the Elopsis, Aliena, Ellen. Elopsis. You can't say this word right. You. Well, I don't know what you did with it. Is it Elopsis? Yeah. Okay, the Aliopsis, ladies and gentlemen. See, you're just playing dumb. I mean, we knew it all along, but okay. oh boy. Give us the Aliopsis. I said it right again. Okay. Aliopsis. Space looks dark and creepy and fucking awesome while haunting music plays. As we drift past a perfectly lightless star, some white lines at the top eventually spell Alienopsis. <laughs> Wait, the that's predator- not what it's called. That's yeah. not what he said. Yeah. You can't you make fun of me time. and then change it up at the last moment. What did you say again? Aliopsis. He said Aliopsis. He eliminated the N. Yeah, and now you're calling oh. it the Alienopsis. Go back, well, do the, the credits wo- over. The movie's calling itself that, stupidly. But <laughs> I called it Aliopsis at the beginning. Like I see. Said. Okay. You're, I'm making fun of Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> but you're making fun of him. Yeah, Alienopsis. 
Hang on, let me change that actually. Now it's no, no. Alien no, Tom's right. They should it should be the right. No, I love the way that those le- those lines resolve into the title, so it's fine. It's funnier if it's longer. Well, also, Sorry, Kelly won winner of the contest. <laughs> These are deleted extras. You Kelly one screws it up by putting a curvy letter in there. You can't do that effect if there's going to be an S or an O. Uh, You've ruined it, Kelly one. No, it's funnier that way. Like, look, look how stupid it is if you just put a curve. Like, nope. That's not scary. It's not an S at the end. It's an X. Alien optics. Plus, it's doing it. It stays slow the whole way. Like, part of the S, you wait five minutes. It goes past another planet. Part of the P, you're like, oh, come on. What? Fuck you. Anyway. So, space spells Eliopsis for us. <laughs> That's how the franchise begins. The Predators in my audience and Shane Black are all, boo! <laughs> I'm all, dude, it's not even close. Beside me, Ridley Scott's all, I also made Prometheus and Alien Covenant and Rob Crow's Robin Hood. I'm all, shh, don't help. <laughs> don't talk during Alien, Ridley. Finally, we settle on a colossal, ungainly spaceship floating into the darkest darkness. Some words are all commercial towing vehicle, the Nostromo, crew, 7 plus Jonesy. Cargo, 20 million tons of generic mineral ore. We have to go really far for that. Of course, we're going to Earth. It's important enough to send the biggest ship with seven people who hate each other. And a cat. Of course, returning to Earth. Spoiler alert, Earth's not in this. <laughs> we watch the Nostromo's underside slide endlessly by. <laughs> Beside me, Mel Brooks is all... <laughs> we hang out unsupervised in the hallways of the Nostromo for a bit. This fucking ship's so scary it already feels like an alien's on board. Its dark tunnels go on forever. The ship hates us. We're the alien. Paul W.S. Anderson stands up. Uh, Vent Horizon's playing after this, uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to stick around, uh, free bonus. As we pan past more bric-a-brac, I think Ridley farts, because some book pages flutter. <laughs> Music fades out, a computer monitor screen's dark, a space helmet stares at us, the computer's still dark. Suddenly a bunch of dots and numbers bleep and blort on the screen. The stuff Ridley decided required ten prequels. <laughs> Ridley farts again and everything turns off. We want around the ship some more. The Whalen Utani logo in this is the same as Purina. <laughs> We're now five minutes into Alien and the Opsis. A door opens so we can watch some lights come up on seven characters in life pods. Iconic characters. The one room in Nostromo that's well lit is the one that the crew sleeps in. <laughs> that's why the critics are bothered. Like, that doesn't make sense. Stupid Ridley's science. The pod lids slide open. John Hurt wakes up first. I guess he's the star. He's all, after this film, I didn't want to be typecast as the disgusting, always in misery actor, so I made The Elephant Man in 1984. (laughs) To show my light aside. (laughs) 
Later, over breakfast. Hey, Lambert, what was your nickname at high school? Cornbread. Hi, Tom. Tom Chick's boners all... Oh! <laughs> what? what? Veronica Cartwright's voice. Lambert. Okay. Yeah, Lambert. Oh, Dingus doesn't know their names. This is going to be a troublesome <laughs> slop for him. Last year I was in Body Snatchers and married to Goldblum, so here's hoping things go better for me this time out. And less gross. Beside me, naked Silver Arnold's all. This was made the year I was in the villain with Kirk Douglas and Anne Margaret's over there. I played the cowboy who didn't talk. So the Hollywood producer, they say, this man's very versatile. Let's make him a barbarian who doesn't talk. And a robot from the future who doesn't talk. And a scientist who dislikes Batman. Who, when he talks, he understands how the temperatures work. Make the witty remarks about the temperatures. <laughs> yeah, he went. Ash reaches across the breakfast table for a glass pitcher of android semen. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Tom's all, mm, buttermilk. <laughs> that's what it said on the side, Kelly Wand. I think that's who you got confused. That would be funny if, it, if the androids ran on buttermilk. Still with us, Brett? Ha! Hey. <laughs> I feel dead. You don't ever tell you look dead. Kurt's character's colleagues all laugh at his appearance. By the way, I almost forgot the bonus situation. Uh, 90 black characters about the Benjamins. Me and Parker feel the bonus situation's not equitable. <laughs> A wall starts beeping. <laughs> Mother wants to talk to you, Dallas. Parker admits that the coffee's good. I stop writing this and go get coffee. Once I'm back. <laughs> Dallas nods at me, goes inside Mother, and types three keys that spell out what's the story, Mother. <laughs> oh, comma. Beside me, Kurt Russell's all, pour whiskey into her. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of connections. It can be. Meanwhile, in the cockpit, it's not our system. <laughs> She has a deep voice, so... Oh, God. I know that! I look over at Ridley and go, Ah, oh, the characters don't even like each other! You're a genius! This is fucking awesome! He's all, they don't? <laughs> Hello, air traffic control! This is John Hurt. Hello? <laughs> it's not a headset! He knows that! <laughs> I know screaming doesn't work in space, but... Uh, hello, outer space. This is the commercial towing vehicle Nostromo. Two niner niner smiley face. Hello, Antarctica. Antarctica traffic control. Neeson. Ender, get him. They sound kind of similar. I realized that it was that I did the rest in my head. Assorted aliens watch disinterestedly from nearby planets as the Nostromo floats by, <laughs> broadcasting Ripley's voice. Hello, Antarctica. We tell or hello. The aliens are all, yeah, humans. <laughs> Guys, we're at Zeta Reticuli. Beside me, Tom Cruise is all, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Ash, get the fuck 
my seat. Disgustedly, Parker wipes Ash's buttermilk stains off the seat before he sits. Dallas is all. So the news is half good. We're uh, halfway to Earth. Mother stopped his consumptive transmission SOS. What's an SOS? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a human acronym? Unknown. I don't answer distress calls for free. Haka, there's a clause in your contract that if you don't allow yourself to get terrorized and eaten by aliens... Live and let die, baby! <laughs> Total forfeiture of shares. Nobody! Going in! They all listen to the SOS. It sounds nothing like the engineers in Prometheus. <laughs> so this means gravity, uh, 0.86. You can walk on it. Ripley's all... Ugh. Parker's all, no, 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 no. They park the ship in orbit for a few minutes using green rectangles, then get in a smaller lander ship and fly it poorly through some turbulence. Stupid Dallas fly. Although I guess it doesn't matter. It's completely red herring. Is the space turbulence normal? normal? Yeah, it's suspenseful turbulence that he forgot to put into the Martian, which actually had a... Turbulence. Okay. Ripley's all turbulence. The planetoid's small and dwarfed by a huge ringed planet, also dark. Even the sun's light is wan and blue, dwarfed and engulfed by darker immensities. Is it possible to fuck a movie while they land? Something screams <laughs> them over their headsets. <laughs> what the hell was that? Dallas doesn't care, so he poorly lands the lander on some rocks. This takes a couple minutes. It ends with alarms and a hull breach and fires, like all of Dallas's landings. <laughs> Why isn't she flying it? She's supposed to be really good. Ripley's all, rocks! The planet is a desolate, dim hellhole, relentlessly battered by hurricane dust storms. Dallas is all... Hmm, perfect place to put human colonists in 90 years. <laughs> Good for growing crops, sunlight, yeah. Good work, Cameron. In the engine room, Brett's all, Right, uh, tell him we need 17 more hours to fix all the ship stuff. Cigarette here. Hey, yo, we need 24 more hours. Ha <laughs> ha, now we can hang out here seven extra hours. Fix shit. Got him, suck it, Arcus. Parker, you're still on speaker, fool. I'll be right down. <laughs> <laughs> a little punch up alien Brett's all great now we have to hang out with 29 year old Sigourney <laughs> doesn't track for me Lambert smokes a cigarette while Dallas is all kick on the floods their paltry lights illuminate more desolation and misery I'm all, I didn't know they shot this in Hamburg oh Hamburg listeners, you know what I'm talking about. I take it we didn't notice the donut ship from the air. Also, Mother says the sun's coming up in 20 minutes, and to make sure we moisturize. Uh, what direction's the plot point coming from? Northeast. 200 kilometers. Nitrogen? Methane? Walking distance! That's Kane, by the way. <laughs> you get to come too, Lambert. Speaking of methane. Swell. Ash tries to on his new sneakers and runs in place, even though he's not leaving the ship. Dallas, Lambert, and Kane put on diving bell spacesuits. What is that? Uh, that's programming? <laughs> Dallas, Lambert, and Kane put on their diving bell spacesuits and stumble retardedly around on the landing pad. 
wind shrieks irritably at them. Ash lowers them. I can't see a goddamn thing. Fucking Ridley. Ash chuckles cheerfully. Good contact on my board. Keep this light open. Ripley, stop saying Antarctica. You're giving the studio bad ideas. <laughs> In the engine room. Hey, Ripley, a lot of work turning the steam on and off every time you talk. We get full shares for that. Don't worry, Parker. You'll get whatever's coming to you. Get it, audience? Never want full shares. Brett's all, I don't want to be in this movie anymore. <sighs> Why don't you just fuck off? What? Ha ha, steam's on. What? Ha ha, talk to me longer. Ha ha. Ripley wearies of their gaslighting. Brett, <laughs> Brett cackles victoriously because he made her leave. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't see a goddamn thing. Pretty sure that's my only non-sobbing line in this. Ripley goes to the bridge. <laughs> she thought she was going to be Ripley. She got there. Ripley goes to the bridge and watches her favorite binary numbers scroll up while Jonesy <laughs> licks his balls. The sun comes up. It lights nothing. Look, Lambert, a donut ship, huh? Ash, could you see that? Yes, I can. I've never seen anything like it. Although Fassbender, very bizarre, huh? <laughs> Lambert's all. What is it? Actually, let's get out of here. Hurts <laughs> <laughs> all. Blah, 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 must go on. We have to go on. <laughs> Lambert, H.R. Geiger Tuttles, huh? <laughs> they wander around in the dark shouting, Hello, distress call answering miners. <laughs> All scary music plays. <laughs> Hurts all. Look, guys, a wall. Oh, let's climb it. Ooh, a giant skeleton in a dentist chair. And look at the size of this drill. Tom nudges Dingus knowingly. Dallas is all. No way, no, he's part chair. And look, there's a hole in his stomach cavity like he exploded from inside. Tom nudges Dingus, knowing. Hello, hole, my name is Dallas from MASH. We got your distress call. Uh, would you like a piece of tape for your uh, enlarged navel issue? <laughs> Lambert's all. What happened to the rest of the crew? Ridley's all. You'll find out in sequel number nine. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Lindelof. <laughs> On the ship. Ash, that transmission, Mother's deciphered part of it. Instead of saying, please come rescue us from aliens, it actually says, don't land here, aliens. P.S. <laughs> don't feed them spaghetti. I'm going out after them. What's the point? When they get there and die, they'll know if it's a warning. <laughs> Alright, good point. Bye. Inside the haunted donut. Guys, check it out a pit. Yeah. Oh, lower me, lower me. No goo on the wall. Whew. Oh, hotter than the tropics down here. Guys, look, some eggs. Sorry, I tripped over some mist. Oh. Eggs hissing at me angrily. Oh, you can tell Prometheus director made this part. Oh, nothing to be careful about. Oh, hey, egg. Guys, I'm tapping an egg. 
Now I'm jostling and screaming at it. Ah, oh, it hissed and jump scared me. Oh, it's. Oh, hang on. There's movement inside the egg. Something with spider legs snarling at me angrily. Okay. Now the top of the egg's opening. Oh, I'm hearing music. Uh, quivering slime inside. Okay, I'm sticking my head inside. <laughs> Alice and Lambert somehow get him out without triggering other eggs, and all the way back to the ship without Kane dying from the cold and Lambert's methane. At the door... Hey, Ripley, uh, it's us. <laughs> Not sure I'll wait to talk on the way back, but anyway, um, uh, so Kane's got something on his face up in the hatch. <laughs> well, what do you mean he has a thing on his face? I need a precise definition. Fine, an organism on his facial area. Open the hatch. Dallas, you know the ship's quarantine procedures. The company's very concerned about our welfare for that one sentence. What if this is the beginning of a horror franchise called Alien? It'll be a big moment. Ash flips her off and opens the hatch. That's what he's programmed to do. They get John Hurt into surgery and cut some plastic off his face that he got stuck on it somehow. Dallas and Scrubs is all, wait, I'm a surgeon? Ash drools over the face hugger. <laughs> oh, man. I've wanted to do that to John Hood ever since he played Cornelius. The second tier characters have to watch from the hallway. Parker's already bored. <laughs> reading a magazine. Hey, yo, how come you don't freeze him? Plot holes. Ripley storms up. Fucking idiots. Lambert slaps her and calls her a bitch. Dallas is all, Lambert's right. When I give an order, I expect it obeyed. Even if it's against the law. Goddamn right. The face hugger and John Hurt listen patiently. <laughs> All right, if I windmill, it's Digitalis. You're gonna do what? <laughs> finger. Pry off its finger. As Ash applies his barbecue togs, the face hugger tightens its tail around John Hurt's neck. All right, uh, plan B. They slide Kate into an MRI and watch it scan him slowly. <laughs> Come on, Canby. Oh, it's feeding him oxygen. Ugh, yeah. Get it off him. Uh, it might kill him. And John Hurt. Meh, hurt. Later. Fuck, it's blood's eating through the hole. Come on, guys. Down one more deck. Okay, one more deck. All right. I guess it's done. Cool. They all stop and stare at the hole in the ceiling. Parker shoves Harry Dean in front of him. Take a look at this, Brett. <laughs> you got a pen there? Come on, give me it, give me it. Yep, see? The sassa doesn't just eat through holes. It even destroys pens. <laughs> Maybe we can use it on paper later to show someone how black holes work. My mom gave me that. Got a wonderful defense mechanism. You don't dare kill it. Alien also has a good one. Ash hangs out and watches the facehugger on TV and under a microscope. Ugh, yeah, baby. How's our guest? Polysaccharides, polyproteins, polyadverse conditions. Is that enough for you? Please don't sit on my microscope. Sorry. <laughs> what do words mean? He's a tough little son of a bitch. And you let him in. I was obeying a direct order. When Skerritt and Hurt's characters are off screen, I'm in charge of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot. 
You also forgot science division's quarantine law. Not exactly out of the manual, is it? I take my seriously job as yours do I. You do my job that you do. Uh, Ash snaps his rubber gloves off and drinks a glass of semen. Tom nudges Dingus knowingly. Later. Where is it? Facehugger! Antarctica! They water out of the surgery looking for the facehugger at Antarctica. Dallas trips over a fireworks factory. Sorry. <laughs> the facehugger's dead husk jump scares Ripley, so they decide to watch Ash poke it with a soldering iron. I hereby pronounce it dead. Good, let's get rid of it. I think we've answered its distress call. <laughs> You're not in a movie called Zombie. Later in a hallway. Dallas, you're letting science officers make science decisions. Ha ha, close the door in your face. Uh, how are the repairs coming? Mostly done, but we still gotta hang up a couple Almond Brothers posters on C Dick. Look, I just wanna get the hell out of Act One. Later. I still said we freeze his ass. Beside me, Silver Arnold nudges me knowingly. <laughs> Right. Brett, whenever Parker's character says freeze stuff, you say right. What are you, a parent who likes freezing things? Yeah, man, stop agreeing with me. Right. Well, a little something to lower your spirits. We're ten months of screen time from Earth. Guys, come check out Kane's character. What now, there a chud stuck to his face? <laughs> it's better editing if you just come see. <laughs> <laughs> right. Later. Yay, John Hurt's awake. Maybe we should do an x-ray of your stomach real quick. Next silly question. <laughs> they give him some water. Inside his stomach, the alien gargles. What's the last thing you do remember? I dream about smothering it. Some memories of eating at Long John Silver's. Bangkok. Back to the old freezerinos. <laughs> but first, a yay, John Hurt will always be alive meal. <laughs> I'm buying. <laughs> Later, Ash watches excitedly as Kate refills on spaghetti. <laughs> Isn't space food usually dark plastic? And they're like, oh, first thing I'm doing when we get back is to get aliens some decent food. Parker looks at Lambert. I'd rather be eating something else right now. Lambert's expression's all, I can't wait to get you killed later. <laughs> <laughs> Hurts all. At least you know what Lambert's... The j the j <coughs> What's the matter? Lambert's isn't that bad. What the... Ah. He's still hungry. Put, put a spoon in his mouth. Brett helps by smoking a cigarette while he tries to help the rest of the bolt cane down. Blood erupts in a massive glop from Cade's stomach, drenching Lambert. Oh, God! Ah! The baby alien comes out. It's all... <laughs> Parker raises Brett's pad to stab it. Don't touch it! Don't touch it! Or the alien. The alien's all... It slides giggling down a groove in the table. As I thought when I first saw this when I was a kid, I guess the doors to the commissary are open. <laughs> The better to keep track of Jonesy. 
The actors' faces are all, we've never seen Alien before. Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude. What have we done? They briefly look in one random corridor for the alien, then finish eating and talking about Lambert's bush. Later, at Kane's funeral, anybody want to say anything about John Hurt's character? <laughs> Beside me, William Hurt's all. He died doing what he loved, eating an alien spaghetti. Dallas hits a button. Lambert's cigarette shoots spinning off into space. Later, uh, so since my pen is no longer functional, uh, I now use this. It's a futuristic tool called a cattle prod. Just make damn sure you don't touch the tip. Tom nudges Dingus knowingly. Brett uses the prod to jump scare the ceiling. Ash is all. Speaking of touching, I made this alien finder. What's a key off? <sighs> Micro changes in air density. Dallas doesn't understand a word of that, so they <laughs> test it on Ash's waving arm. Later in a dark hallway. Micro changes in air density, my ass. I thought you fixed the lighting module in here. We did, but Ridley and the Alien, uh, you remind us it's a horror movie. Bloom! Jonesy! <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. They both are. That's why they like each other. He might set off the tracker again if we're really stupid. Brett, you wander off alone through this gigantic, poorly lit ship without the tracker or the prod, while Parker and I will keep going in the opposite direction from the one the cat ran in. See, when I'm in charge, nothing stupid happens. Later. Here, kitty, kitty. Jonesy. Brett finds some molten alien foreskin, so he decides to shrug and keep going. <laughs> he refreshes himself in the raining, hanging chains room. Jonesy. Oh, there you are. Huh. Wait, why are you hissing at something behind me? And why is the scary music play? Jonesy watches the alien chomp on Brett. His expression's all, but maybe I should have led Brett somewhere else. Later, this thing was big, like a man. <laughs> Tom nudges Dingus knowingly. <laughs> it's using the air ducts to move around, just like the air does. Could it want Brett alive? What? Could Brett be alive? No, in this movie? No, I don't think so. Science department thoughts? Maybe it hates fire. Dallas is all, don't worry, I got this. Later. All right, uh, I'm at the first junction. Uh, shut all the hatches behind me. That way it can't run past me in fear when it sees me. Beep, 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 beep. Guys, is this alien-shaped red dot? Uh, is that Dallas or the alien? There's a red dot. Beep, 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 beep. Dallas, it, it's headed right towards you. Why don't we track it before or after this? Beep, 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 beep. All right, now it's staring up at you from the bottom of that ladder and pointing and laughing with both sets of teeth. Um, Dallas to Lambert, new plan. Um, I'm getting the hell out of here. That's my catchphrase. Going to trick it by climbing down the ladder. Wait, which way? Alien tricks Dallas's flamethrower by opening its arms to hug him. <laughs> the unarmed survivors somehow retrieve the flamethrower from where Dallas got hugged, and Parker slams it onto a table. We only found this. No Dallas, no blood. Oh, no blood. Okay, let's do Dallas's plan again. Lambert's all, what? 
Believe it or not, I think I see what he did wrong. We just go up the ladders. <laughs> was your idea? We get on the shuttle and nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Lambert, the shuttle only has enough cat toys and litter for two. <laughs> Although it does have four spacesuits in the closet. But imagine how dumb we'd feel if the alien got on the shuttle with us and we blew up the ship for nothing. <laughs> Might get yelled at in the next movie. Ash. <laughs> <laughs> you have to explain that part of it to him, you know. Like, oh, wait, you blew up the ship and then what? Well, see, oh, yeah. Ash, any new science dialogue yet? Uh, me and Mother were still collating. You're still, I find that very hard to believe. What do you want my character to do? Same as it's been doing. Riding in place and drinking semen. I have access to Mother now. She should have some neat ideas for the third act. Later. Rook, spendable. But please teach the alien how to fly the ship first. Uh, what the fuck? There's a perfectly logical explanation for the Logic, why you? Ripley gets mad at Ash's shirt, but I think breaks his brain chip, because even though he's super strong, he decides the best way to kill her is to feed her a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ripley, I need you to wear a Hawaiian shirt and a ball cap and say right after everything I say. I'll explain it. What the... Ow, Ash! Oh, my nipple! Oh, harder! <laughs> they trick Ash by decapitating him. It's a robot! Ash is a goddamn robot! Ow, goddammit, his headless truck's attacking me again! Damn it! Parker, stop goofing around. Alright, let's use the soldering iron to ask his head more stuff. Maybe now that we decapitated him, he'll want to help us. Later. Ash's head. Can you hear me? Ash! <laughs> Ash pukes out a few mouthfuls of semen. Tom nudges Dingus knowingly. Oh, jeez. Yes, I can hear you, Clint Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> How do we kill the alien in this movie? You can't. It has a doll's eye. Something off the shores of Orion. Uh, structural perfection matched only by its hostility. You admire how easily it, we let it kill us. I won't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. He stares unsympathetically so Parker incinerates his head. Yeah, fuck you, robot. Ugh, now we're out of flamethrower fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm liking Lambert's shuttle idea more. But let's do everything safely from here on out. I feel like we've been dying because we're dumb. We keep splitting up. So, Parker... You and Lambert go make a bunch of noise and stack wine and coolant bottles on a forklift and hope the alien doesn't show up and kill you. I'll yell in here, type keys, till I find the blow-up ship button. How long do you think that'll take? If we're out of here in ten minutes, we're going to need no rocket to fly in space. Plus another five for any deleted scene between you and Dallas. While Ripley packs her smokes, over the PA system, Jonesy's all, Listen! Jonesy, damn it, we really need to start closing doors. Meanwhile, in the noisy canister room, the aliens all... <clears throat> damn it! Uh, Lambert, I know you're 5'2 and the alien's 12'11, but you're somehow blocking my shot. Can't tell, it's all close up. Damn it, fucking Ridley. Winslet out of piano cases all... Sorry, Leo, one-seater. Ripley leads, listens over on the PA system. Damn it, Lambert, no, you're on the left. Oh, my nipple again. Lambert's all, 
That's probably bad. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell him we don't actually need coolant. Damn it, Jonesy, stop firing missiles at the mousehead-shaped asteroid. Ripley unscrews stuff. Tom nudges Dingus knowingly. <laughs> Emergency destruct system activated. Ship will detonate in 10 minutes. Cutoff system will stop working in 5 minutes. It also says all this on the warning label that you in the audience just read in close-up. The alarm starts blaring. Leaving Jonesy's carrier behind, Ripley goes down a ladder. She finds some goo with Dallas suspended in it. Yeah, director's cut. Brett's already an egg. He hasn't changed all that much. Kill me. Wait, not with a flamethrower. Ripley goes back up, grabs Jonesy, and then just as she rounds the last corner, she finds the alien dancing in a hallway. Damn it. All right, here, Jonesy, you stay here and play with alien. I'll be right back. Uh, mother! Mother! Could you not blow up the ship after all? I was kidding. Ship blowing up in T-minus five minutes, minus the time it took for me to say T-minus, and also this. You bitch! She tries to override the computer by throwing a chair at some sparks. Ripley runs around screaming and sweating while alarms blare. Some steam jump scares are giggling. Jonesy, good boy. You kill the alien and get back into your carrier? All right, good work. <laughs> Liam. She kicks and hurls Jonesy's carrier as hard as possible onto the shuttle. Flame throws nothing, then shuts the hatch. You now have one minute to abandon ship. Ripley gets in the pilot seat, flips buttons, sees a screensaver from the purge. The ship will destruct in 30 seconds. 29. 1. The ship blows up three times and turns into 1979 CG. While Ripley's all, Ah, suck it, alien. And Nostromo. Now to party. Come here, Jonesy. Here, get in the hibernation pod in case more dumb stuff happens. <laughs> Ripley gets into her underwear, while behind her in plain view, the alien's all... <laughs> when the alien stretches its arm to fart. <laughs> when the alien stretches its arm to fart, Ripley screams and runs into a closet. The alien loses interest in her and goes back to sleep. She never sets it off. It's a weird superpower. While it sleeps, its dumb fingers, Tom, caress some tubes. Ripley gets into a spacesuit. The alien yawns with its second set of teeth. Fortunately, Ripley discovers a harpoon gun in the closet with her. <gasps> My lucky star. Lucky, lucky, lucky. She hits the squirt steam on alien button. It gets annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> that was her idea. <gasps> lucky star. Lucky, oh, lucky. Oh yeah, what's Alien doing? She looks over to see it grinning at her. She hits the flush alien, but hopefully nothing I need to survive into space button. And when it clings to the door, shoots it with a harpoon. It tries to crawl up into a vent, but she hits the nope button. <laughs> the alien twirls off into space, shaking its fist, while the music's all, All right, Alien's dead. Relax. Captain's log. Good thing the sexy negligee didn't get sucked out. I mean, this is Ripley. You don't find out my name's Ellen until the third one. All the other crew members, Kane, Dallas, Brett, Parker, Lambert, Ash, are dead or robots. Cargo and shipper CG. 
should reach the frontier in about six weeks or seven years in RL. Uh, hearing good things about that hot new director who made Piranha 2. <laughs> uh, with a little luck, a networker studio will pick this up. This is Ripley. Last survivor except Jonesy of the Nostromo. <laughs> Signing off. Ow, Jonesy, you fucker! Ripley goes to sleep. Ridley leans over and goes, My original ending was the aliens saying all that in Ripley's voice, but the studio hated it. Now they don't care how retarded my pitches are. <laughs> I'm all, yeah, we've noticed. Some words tell me that statistically spaghetti is still the safest pasta. The end. Kelly Wan, what was that like, writing a synopsis for something that you already know so well? Uh, daunting, but relaxing at the same time. But also, it's hard to make fun of stuff you like. But there, Alien, Alien has a lot of plot holes in it that I think make it only better. <laughs> I don't okay. know why it's annoying in Prometheus when they're dumb. But uh, no, well, I felt well, very intimidated. Um, you felt intimidated. Yeah, so I hope okay. that turned out okay. I, I think it turned out great. I was really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't really imagine. I mean, the upside is you know the scenes really well, but the downside is what's you're making. You have to if you don't do the the quotes exactly, then it feels weird that you're not doing the quotes. So that's the problem with doing classic lines. Right, right. And the dialogue's so good in the movie. That's actually one of the best things about it. All right. Well, before we talk about the movie, uh, Dingus, you go first. You're the least. Uh, aligned horror. towards horror amongst us when was the first time tell us about the first time you saw alien give us some context what do you remember about it all right the uh the first time i saw it actually was in a magazine um this is gonna sound weird but you remember uh mad magazine how they would do those yeah um parodies the, they would do those parodies and they did a parody of alien um and i remember it I remember it because uh, it had Ripley, uh, which I didn't know was, you know, Ridley with a flipped over P, basically. Yeah, he did a Luke Skywalker. Like um, uh, it had her stepping out of this, like, just stepping out of, like, a shower with her, just her weird teenager panties on. Um, and, uh, when I was reading that, I was like, I was like, what, what, you know? And so I, I, that happens in I, alien. Uh, no, but it doesn't happen in alien, but it happened in, no, the I, mean, I thought that's what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the first, you know, and, and I heard over and over and over and over again about how great the production design was in the movie. And that's the real reason to watch the movie. I didn't know anything else about it. I didn't know it was a horror movie or anything like that. I just knew that you really need to watch this movie based on its production design. Uh, and so I eventually saw it on a VHS tape on a small little TV, um, uh, just like right before I went to college, I think. And that it's a horrible way to see this movie because you don't see any of the production design on a VHS tape on a small TV. It doesn't make any sense. And um, so I'm giving you a, a, a sort of a three act structure here, Tom. Um, then the, uh, the small theater in my college town, it was uh, Duke of Gloucester street theater um, showed the, showed the movie it would it would show old older movies you know and i i went to see it on the large screen and then i was like oh now i get it 
And also now I get, I get the production design. I get what people are talking about. And now I get why this is an important movie to me. Um, so it, it took, it took watch it, it took reading it in a magazine, seeing it on a little TV and then seeing it finally in a theater. And how old were you when you saw it in a the theater? Um, like, a, like an adult or still like, I was probably, well, I was probably 19 years old. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll do mine in a little bit of a three act structure as well, because I had, uh, Leading up to Alien, I think Alien is probably the final step in me being a, just a, a huge horror fan. Uh, and it began with uh, – Disney used to run on, on Sunday nights, like a, a movie of the week. It's like a Disney movie, and you'd stay up through – I think like it had like Wild Kingdom and boring stuff like that, and then there would be some Disney movie. Uh, and one day in 1974, it was going to be 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Kirk Douglas, which I'd never seen. I didn't know anything about it, but I knew from reading Jules Verne that there's an there's a scene where the giant squid attacks the Nautilus, and how cool would that be? Just as a kid, I was fascinated by that idea from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So I was super stoked to watch 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but my mom was like, um... I don't think that's appropriate. I understand that there are men eaten <laughs> really? alive in this in this movie. So, 1870s. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think it's appropriate for you. I don't. Someone must have told her something, or she heard something. I don't know where she got this idea that it wasn't appropriate for me to see this. And I just, I was like, I my mom was a single mom. I was a, just a terror as a kid, and I pretty much always got my way. So I just like screamed and yelled and insisted I was going to watch it. So to keep me from watching it. She dragged me to the theater that night to see some dumbass movie with Robert Redford called The Sting, which I hated and didn't I, – I, I was just sitting there fuming, wanting to be home, watching a giant squid attack the Nautilus. But my mom was just convinced that it was inappropriate, that I wouldn't be able to handle it. <laughs> the and Sting. I, I gave her hell for it. The Sting, too. I've, I've got this weird baggage now with The Sting. <laughs> that's, that's the movie. No, I do, too, but it's more adult than movie shoot. And I, I didn't. Yeah, there's nothing that traumatized me. Yeah, I just remember the the, rag, the little uh, musical. It's a movie for grown-ups. Yeah. So a year later, a movie called Jaws is coming out. And as a kid, I've read the book. And again, my mom was like, I don't know, that's appropriate. I gave her hell, and this time I won. And she took me to see Jaws. And from the moment when Brody is is uh, throwing Chum out, and he says, Why don't you come down here? And the shark jumps out of the water. I, I just freaked out and I, I cowered literally behind a seat and closed my eyes and kept – was just listening to these horrific noises and asking my mom, what's happening now? What's happening now? Like I, uh -huh. I needed to know what was going on on the screen, but I was too scared to look. Uh, and, you know, Jaws, I was a, a an eight-year-old kid uh, when Jaws came – nine. Eight, yeah, but I was – so that summer, for some reason, I think this says a lot about – why and how I get into horror movies, I made myself go back and see it because it's a PG movie. I could ride my bicycle to the theater and see it. I watched it over and over again. I went uh, until I could watch the whole thing, until I could keep my eyes open the whole time. And it took several attempts, uh, but eventually I saw the entirety of Jaws. And uh, this is a huge, important movie for me. So let's fast forward real quick to 1977. I am watching on TV a movie called It Happened at Lakewood Manor. ABC used to make these uh, movies of the week, and a lot of times they were cheap horror. This movie was later retitled Ants, with an exclamation point. And it's <laughs> about, they're developing this Lakewood Manor resort, 
and it's next to a colony of poisonous ants that terrorize them. Uh, and it's a horror movie about ants, and Suzanne Somers is famously in it. And there's a scene where the ants siege the, the manor, and they're closing in on it. And they try to close the doors to keep the ants out, but the ants get into the vents and they come under the doors. So the people have to go up to the second story to, to get away from the ants until they're waiting for like a helicopter to come pick them up. And then the ants start going up the stairs and they're getting closer to them. So they have to go up in the attic and they close the doors in the attic and they're trying to keep the ants out. But the ants start coming through the crack in the attic door. And these ants are poisonous. If they start stinging you, you'll die. So they have to sit in the middle of the attic very, very still. And the ants are getting closer and closer, and the ants start crawling up on them. So they have to roll up tubes of paper to breathe through while the ants crawl up their bodies and on their faces, and they have to be super still. At that moment, the dryer went off, and the sound of the dryer went off, and I screamed as a child, and I freaked out. I, I just... I wigged out the dryer, so I was so wound up and tense at this ant scene. These people who were about to be stung to death by ants that when the dryer did a jump scare on me, I just lost my shit. And my mom was like, "See, you're not supposed to watch these kind of movies." I, I think shouldn't. You have, shouldn't do laundry. I that's shouldn't have. Laundry. Yeah. Uh, so two years later, when this movie called Alien comes out, and I read about it because back then a movie would have a limited release and it would roll across the United States. It would hit the big cities and eventually it would filter to Arkansas, where I was from. And you would read about these movies in advance. So I knew about this really cool movie called Alien that I really wanted to see, especially because one of my cousins, when it came out, he came up to me and he said, "Tom, Tommy," because I went by Tommy. There, I just saw this movie about this monster that comes out of somebody's stomach. And I remember thinking, what? What could that possibly be? Yeah. And he says, this monster has a mouth inside its mouth that shoots out. And I, I remember <laughs> trying to get my head around that. Like, what right. what, yeah. the, what does that even – I don't understand. How does that even work? Uh, and that was my, my cousin Brad just taunting me with this stuff. Uh, and he yeah. used to chase me around with a ventriloquist dummy that I was terrified of. He loved making me scared <laughs> Wait, of things. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's, go, let's go back to that. I think you buried the lead. <laughs> yeah, I think so well, that gets into the movie Magic with Anthony Hopkins. And, um, but so Which he was, he trying, to, about. He he was trying to freak me out with this stuff, and it just fascinated me, and I needed to see it. And yeah. my mom was just insistent after the ants scenario that it was inappropriate, and after just how – a super just crazy I was about Jaws. I mean, she knew that I loved it, but how difficult it was for me. She's like, no, it's rated R. You can't see it. And I just ground away at her over and over and over and over and over through that summer till eventually uh, probably the closest thing I had to a dad at that age was a, a fellow my mom dated named Jim, who's just a good old boy from Arkansas. Uh, and he was like into football and, and weirdly right. enough like opera. And I had nothing in common with Jim. I mean, Jim – just was very important to uh, like Jim was a, a fixture in my childhood that a lot of times I didn't like him but growing up and looking back I was like wow this guy was really cool to deal with his girlfriend's asshole son as well yeah. as he did so my mom finally said okay you can go but Jim is going to take you awesome. to see Alien Jim's going to love Alien and I remember thinking okay fine whatever it takes uh, and just Seeing it, and you know, at that point, it, when Alien came out, I would have been uh, 12, and it freaked me out. It terrified me, but I loved it, and I just craved more of it. And I remember also that same year, a movie called Prophecy came out about a giant <laughs> mutant bear that's uh, uh, toxins make it a mutant killer bear that also freaked me out. And in my mind, at that age, at 12 years old, 
Alien was as good as Prophecy. They were both cut from the same cloth, and Prophecy's a horrible that might that's not made for TV, but it's John Frankenheimer actually. Prophecy's a horrible, horrible, bad, terrible, cheesy, dumb movie. But to my mind, anything that was like scary, that was like freaking me out, the big bear in Prophecy or the crazy mouth coming out of the alien, I craved, I loved that stuff. And so Alien was where I finally for after Alien, I could watch whatever I wanted. You know, Phantasm, Magic, you name it, I could I, I just proved myself with Alien and right. ever since then I've super been into horror movies. So Kelly Wand, when is the first time you saw Alien? My story was a little similar mom wise, but it's kinda of like the flip side of yours because I couldn't get into these movies and I was I'm like a couple of years younger than you, like I was nine, I think, when Alien came and it was but by the time the thing came out like just three years later i i think it was the same thing where i passed the alien test like mm-hmm. all right well kelly can obviously yeah but it's like you know but now we hate spoilers but at the time i go well i'm never going to see these movies and i also didn't know what i was asking about so it's like she would see the movies with her friend christy and they'd get kind of drunk <laughs> and she would and then she would describe what happened to them <laughs> and and so there, and so they, I knew she'd seen Alien, and I'd heard, I'd seen like a preview. Oh, what the fuck? A cat gets eaten or something? <laughs> like I, I'm ready for that. And she was really good at it. Like she made them sound really enticing, and huge. like she, but I mean, she spoiled the movies, but she made, she actually enacted them really well. And so it's like it's how like when I saw The Shining, she'd already told me, yeah, all Jack and No Play makes Jack, or all work No Play makes Jack No Play. I go, what's that mean? She'd have to explain the phrase. I go, what's dull? <laughs> Why would he type that? That seems that seems like he's saner than she thinks he is. <laughs> if he's typing something that arcane, but he's typing it correctly too. But anyway, so she's like, yeah, and she's making spaghetti while she's describing Alien, and she gets to like the John Hurt part. She's all she just like puts her head in her hands, and she she would always tell me something like, yeah, the ball rolls down the stairs, and the George C. Scott thing, and like she she could take anything, like yeah. And then Christy got upset because I go, yeah, he. Uh, Scatman Crowley just gets wounded in the book. He's not going to get killed. And then he gets stabbed, and she's like, that's a wound? And so she got mad at me. So she would, she would like, I'd never seen her not, like, I'd never seen her cringe from telling me anything. She's like, this is so disgusting. And I'll go, oh, I was so eager to hear it. And then she describes the John Hurt thing, and it sounded so foul. And I instantly thought, I have to see this as soon as possible. So then there was an alien re-release, and I skipped school to go see it at like 12. And I really think kids get screwed now because everything's so processed, and every movie is designed for certain demographics, and you never encounter anything unexpected. Like we were the last generation, Tom, that would something like Alien would come out, and it would be like a big deal, and something like I don't know. I think it helped us. I think it made men of us. Uh, And now everything's very processed, and their critical thinking skills get too planed off. Um, well, certainly for mainstream entertainment, like it's 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 odd yeah. to go back and watch Alien and realize this was a mainstream summer blockbuster, and they didn't care that it was rated R, by the way. Uh, this yeah. was this was in the same vein as Jaws and Star Wars and Close Encounters, and this was that studio doing you know trying to make money. Uh, they hired a guy who did TV commercials. They're like, hey, here's this script from this hot young kid writer from USC who worked with John Carpenter fellow. They made a little indie movie. Now we're going to do something like this with a budget. Uh, we're going to give you this commercial but they went director. with horror instead of going for kids, which was interesting. Right, 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 exactly. Which because Jaws also, like, like Jaws made right. big money. I mean, uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby, by the way, from from back in that time, like horror Jaws was PG. Right, right, but it was a horror movie. I mean, I'm, I'm just sure. saying that uh, the when the MPAA gets something like Jaws, 
they can they can sort of say, okay, well, it can be rated PG for these reasons. But it gets something like uh, Alien. I think a lot of it back then had to do more with tone than specific yeah. like scenes. It gets something as, as mean and cynical and, and kind of cruel as Alien, and it's like, no, that's that's rated R. Um, but it was go, still oh, it was still PG, a, it's we can sell toys. Like, right, it was still a blockbuster, right. Years. It was still a studio product very much. And and this was you know, nineteen seventy nine, this was when movies like French Connection and Godfather were studio products yeah. as well. So well, you're right, Kelly Wan, it was a very different time. Uh, but I don't think that it's fair to say we don't get stuff like that anymore. We just they're they're indies. Like, like uh, Bone Tomahawk or The Witch, uh, It Follows, the, you know, Hereditary. These Hereditary, things are being made, yeah. they're just not being made under twentieth century foxes. Uh, logo. Like the yeah. studio horror movie of, of our era, although this is an old one, kind of is uh, like the haunting. That I would I want to know that. I mean, but that's also a throwback to the older like ghost movies. Like I, I like let's make a sixty million dollar haunted house movie. Do you like, think that's we've gotten? Good. Do you think we've gotten more prude, or have we gotten more protective? Me? Oh, I I just I I think we've gotten more aware of the fact that. Uh, some of these aren't appropriate for kids, and yeah, I don't uh, protect. I would call it protective. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. Like Kelly Wand and I, you guys if you listen to the podcast, you know this. Kelly Wand and I are on opposite sides of the whole argument about the MPAA. Uh, and Dingus, I think you're probably somewhere closer to me. I actually, Most Dingus, I think are you're closer with... to you. Yeah, I yeah. think you're all insane. I think you have the mob on your side. Well, I'm being to... dumb. I have to be careful because I have to monitor what my kid sees, and which means I you have... don't need the rating system because you're a good parent. Well, it... so all the rating system does is restrict content. Damn it, it's a terrible trade. You're just well, a good parent. It... You don't need a rating system. Let, let's talk. So rather than because we've gotten into this in the podcast know, a lot yeah, before, right. let, let's it's talk boring, about. We're not getting... I want to know: Did you guys notice anything new this time around? Because I wanted yeah. to keep an eye out for that. I've seen it a million times. Uh, Kelly Wand, what's something new that you noticed in Alien this time? I don't remember noticing that Brett's smoking when he's trying to hold Hurt down, and I don't remember to the degree the characters annoy each other. Yeah, like consistently. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I didn't notice that being a factor of Alien. Because in the thing, they're sort of agnostic each other, but they're not mean, and there's no rivalries, and they just kind of break down when the. Or I think or you don't really get the set. It, that's the thing. That's the beauty of that movie too. Which is the only movie I would put as my possible over. I hate even making one. Oh, do you guys have overs? I didn't do that for this. Do you have overs and unders? <sighs> the thing, Alien, that. why do I got to throw one of those out of bed? Why can't thing I is, did you do overs stuff? and unders? Yeah, I did. What do you have? Uh, I put uh, 2010 as my under, uh, just slightly under it because of spaceships. I just love the spaceship. Um, and I put aliens over it. It was really hard to do this. But we'll talk before. I, know, we... I understand that. I understand that. It's really hard to put an over for this movie because it's a joy to watch. But it was a different kind of joy to watch aliens, and so sure. I, I put it just a smidge over it. Kelly, did you Each do an alien... over under? Uh. Sounds that? like no. It sounds uh, like the answer to that is no. <laughs> well, my over and under would both be Dark Star in a way, but my under would be everything, and my over would be the thing. So, <laughs> so Tom, you didn't do an over under, right? No, no, it didn't even occur to me actually. I did. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I'm not so sure let I, me yeah. let me address what Kelly said about the crew because Soren Hoagland is one of the people who wrote in, mm -hmm. and he agrees that the one of the new things he saw, and that, that was your question to Kelly. Was what is what is a new thing you saw? 
what he, I mean, for him, this is his favorite sci-fi movie, his favorite horror movie. He thinks it's an unimpeachable Ridley Scott movie, uh, and he thinks it's a masterpiece. But he says that he he really recognized the crew dynamics in this and the class yeah. divide, the class divide in particular, in a different way. So, uh, to Kelly's point and to your point, Tom, between about, Ash, he means and like Brad. no. No, Parker and Brett talking about the class divide as as far as oh, right. who's going to get a share. They're uh, all blue collar, I feel like, but, like Dallas. But for Soren, also, it was just this the weird crew dynamics. And I think that he's talking to what you're talking about, Kelly, about them not liking yeah. each other. Yeah, like, like Lambert doesn't like Ripley. Oh, I love Ashley that. Ripley yeah, I love that. It's on her system. I know that. Like that is so. Yeah. It's totally and lost Monica on Cartwright, kids. She read for Ripley, and she was told she was going to be Lambert when she got to wardrobe when they started shooting. So it's one of the interesting. So it's like. Oh, I didn't know that. Things that help the performances, maybe a little bit, a little bit right. of tension. Uh, Dingus, did you notice anything new? Um, something that I had never seen before was just a visual thing. Uh, is when. Um, when the opening of their – and this is completely different from the way that the opening of the stasis tubes happens in Aliens. The opening of the stasis tubes in this movie is very much a mirror of the way that the eggs open, uh, the way that they're, they're all in a circle and they all – But in heaven instead of hell. They all, come up, they all come up in much the same way, and I, and I wonder if – the production design of that was on purpose or if I'm just reading into it and looking for things. I, I, I love the way that, uh, how, uh, like, like it's weird that it's languid and he does these crossfades in that sequence yeah. that the rest of the movie doesn't have, uh, yeah. this whole waking up and coming into reality thing. Like I, I think he has an introduction to the everything. But yeah. I do like Dingus's idea that the the flower that the it's all flower petals are the inverse of the way that the egg opens. I, I like right. that. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, and one's lit beautifully, and the other one's like. No, you're, you're right, Kelly. Like a, a sort of an an anodyne, clear, clean heaven versus the the misty blue, weird. Yeah. H.R. Geek or hell. Space yeah. looks it, space looks scary in every shot. I love that. Um, these aren't. I didn't get uh, Parker's oral sex joke. I think when I was a kid. But well, if you think I would about hope it, you wouldn't, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a face hugger foreshadow in a way. Like, well, that's a, a yeah, sexual I mean, that's, stuff. Yeah, and I think that's uh, when oh, is it the Vincent Canby review? I forget. Oh no, no, I didn't even get to read you that guy's part. Uh, the Time Magazine review uh, ends with saying that Alien's steely, literal-minded approach to violence more often recalls last summer's joyless Jaws two. Alien also features some na nasty extraterrestrial pods like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but there's no social commentary beyond the usual warning against the evils of heartless technology. I think that's where uh, Frank Rich at Time Magazine really missed the boat because, and I think yeah. this is something that people have come to appreciate over the years, Alien is very much, you know, you, if you look at horror and what kind of anxiety or doubt or fear it appeals to, Alien is very much about rape and, and sexually, being sexually violated. and Crew expendable. Crew expendable, having something forced down your throat, giving birth. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know that Ridley Scott was necessarily as aware of this stuff as uh, Dan O'Bannon was. Right. Uh, but, but Walter Hill and Eiler, they did a rewrite, too, and they didn't do credit. But, yeah. But they oh, added oh. Ash and the robot. Okay, okay. Like, O'Bannon um, was against Ash being an android. So that's a distraction. <laughs> hmm. 
Jones. Well, I, I think you're totally right, Tom. I mean, there, there's horrid birth Im imagery in this. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, and uh, uh, the question it leads into is, do you know anyone who doesn't like Alien? And I was going to say, the only Alien hater I've ever met was, I was at like a, at a writer's retreat in Idlewild when I was in my early 20s. And I had a roommate, and his name was Friezo. I think he was Scandinavian or something. And I mentioned, I don't know how Alien came up with him, but he was like, that movie is repulsed. That movie, it's so evil to think that something bad could come out of you. Like, he's into Tai Chi. He was kind of a crunchy guy. And he didn't like it because he thought, like, it was it was mean to even think about stuff like that. Like, yeah, something evil came out of you. Like, well, it's a foreign object. It's not coming out of you. I mean, it's something that gets put in you that's coming out. Like, it's not natural to your thing. That's why it's called Alien. So, ugh. Yeah. Well, but I, that's why Tom. I think Tom bringing up rape is absolutely on point. Yeah. And and it's also when when Ian Holm because I I think too that that's a little cringeworthy. Ian Holm's admiring thing about how it doesn't have morality and like when Bill Paxton says, "How can they cut the power, man? They're just animals." That was my thinking all along. Is it's just a super hostile predator and it's just doing a cycle of life thing. It's got, of course, it doesn't have morality. It's no different than a lion. Uh, so I, right, you're right. It's, it's so like from, a scorpion being a scorpion. It's yeah. like a bass fisherman. It's like a bass fisherman. Well, that was Olivia Munn's line. Oh, oh. Like, they're going. <laughs> it's not a predator. It's a bass fisherman. You know, they're they're, uh, they're weird fishers. Aliens fishing for humans in Valerian in the city of a thousand planets that came brought to mind. Um, oh, but but, but yeah. I I think the uh, the whole thing the like. Original, it, yeah. The, 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 it creates this this life cycle and this ecology, and it's uh, it's unknown to the audience. Like it reveals it over the course of the, the right. movie, and humans are just like are not just human, but it's just a parasite. The same thing that the the space jockeys suffered, humans suffer, and the alien just doesn't care. It's just an animal propagating the species, uh, and it's just doing what it does. And this whole idea that it's evil. That's the stuff of the exorcist or Rosemary's Baby. This is just the stuff of the heartlessness of nature. Like this is right. no, this is Jaws, like in a way. Uh, yeah. It's just a terrible thing that that sometimes your body is just used for the biomass to to further something. Like you get eaten or something, an, an egg, a spider plants an egg in another bug. Like it's that same kind of thing, and it just taps into this idea of being sexually violated in that process, where yeah. there you have no say over it. Uh, and that's the it whole thing about evil, about rape too is not necessarily being a sexual thing. It's just it involves the act of sex, but it's done for reasons of power and hatred and anger and, and stuff like that. But it it co-ops what should be a natural cycle of life and how babies are made, and like rape co-ops that. And it's the same thing here in that the cycle of life where lions kill gazelles and they that it, they feed their baby lions. That's what's going on here, but it's from the perspective of the gazelle, of the unwilling gazelle uh, being part of the life process. And in a really weird, gross way, that's part of this thing's life cycle uh, that just ties into our fear of being violated or eaten or, or used in something else's life cycle. Uh, and that, alien is, that is indeed horrific. Yeah. But also the idea – I mean – I'm kind of bummed the delete the Dallas scene got cut in a way because it had a limit like the what's idea the, that Brett's you, turning into an egg. What's the Dallas scene that you've talking that you're talking about that got cut? Because they cut it because it's during when it's when she's running for the ship and they go, well, she has ten minutes to get. She start like even Tom Skerritt's like she shouldn't have a conversation with Dallas on her way out. 
But she com- comes down the ladder and she sees Dallas like stuck in goo and she sees Brett's turned into an egg nearby. And so you get more information about the life cycle, but it looked like shit. Um, like the goo just didn't look gooey enough. Like it yeah, looked and the like implication, plastic. Dingus, is that the, the adult alien carries people off and then converts them into the eggs, that they morph right. into the, the egg-like things, that, and then inside of them a, another face hugger grows. It was Cameron that added the whole idea of a queen laying the eggs to right. the... Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it doesn't make any sense based on the rest of the. It doesn't make the... sense how it gets big just between. Uh, well, that, I mean, you, and Brett. That's you, you the mentioned, one thing that bothers me. You mentioned all. Kelly Wan, yeah, like plot holes, and that is weird. That where does all this biomass come from? Right. Yeah. It makes it it's that instantly. large. It's not um, like it fed on Jones. Yeah, when the avocado says it, it's it's huge, like a man. I mean, it, like how did that happen? Because he hasn't yeah. eaten. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, that... but I guess the pasta did it. <laughs> that stuff expands yeah. in your belly, Dingus. Well, Kelly, you earlier said something along the lines of uh, the plot holes are why you love it. Am I misremembering what you were saying? What uh, you were getting at? No, no, the... I said that. Oh, yeah. Explain. What, what do you mean? Um, because uh, I think it, it, a lot of it's the acting, I feel like. Like they – you can believe that these characters – they're – their performances are convinced to the point where you go, they're just freaked out, and so they're not thinking clearly. Like, Dallas goes in with the best... It's not a bad plan, but he gets freaked out. Although, the alien disappears on the tracker. The thing that's bothersome, and this is why I think I like it, just because um, it had, it's... Like, in Prometheus, they're idiots, too, but in this, they just keep splitting up. But um, <laughs> I just feel like I want I do, to make apologies I for it. I do love that. How, how like I think she says at one point, "No, we all have to stay together." Now you yeah. guys go over there, and I'm gonna yeah. be alone over here. <laughs> it's just, it's like it's almost like a parody of a horror movie. It's just... Well, they're they're weak slasher movie tropes. I I, I think, yeah. and, and it's but these movie... characters. This yeah. movie isn't above that, and the whole thing, too, with the alien conveniently knowing to get into the shuttle. Like, that's the whole slasher movie idea, yeah. where the slasher always knows where the victim is going to be and gets there ahead of him or her. Uh, yeah. and, and, is that okay with you, Tom? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Because I don't, I don't mind tropes, and I don't mind movies relying on genre conventions, especially if they're going to do something unique like this movie does. I mean, there's so much that this movie has going for it that I'm willing to cut it a break with this idea of... Well, like Kelly, well, you know, Kelly has a perfectly good question. Why didn't they use the trackers to keep track of the alien later? Uh, yeah. And I'm okay with that because the scenes weren't written that way. That's why. Uh, I also can make excuses for every one of them if I think about it. Like they lose the tracker. But why because... do you need to? Why do you need to? Um, Did, like a, you don't I... need to. I'm not saying it's necessary. I'm just okay. – it enhances it to me to go, okay, at the, at the end they go, well, the alien just ate and – with Brett, he doesn't know it's big yet, so that one makes sense. Like, he's expecting to something small. He doesn't think it's going to – although a facehugger's already undone, undone one of them, so you think they'd be at least cautious. And also the ship's really big, I think, is the thing too. Well, I mean – They're just really careless. It, 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 the, the ship – the Nostromo is a towing vessel. And Ash is probably right rigging it so that more of them die. Although Ash would th- – you would think Ash would want the thing frozen because then the – thing is, what were you going to say about it. the Nostromo? It's a towing vessel. It's it's towing this huge other thing, isn't it? Yeah. So so one of the things that I noticed that, that watching it this time, there were like three. I've got three things. Uh, I never caught that. That's the whole idea is that the Nostromo is those big 
like towers or no, there's the big towers of the platform and then yeah. Nostromo is like a tugboat and yeah. when they are unlatching to go down to the planet when they unlatch Tom Skerritt says money's safe <laughs> like when they're when they're because yep. they're going to, and I'd never caught yeah. that before that that was their money that that was their you know they were that they think of that as you know we're we're hauling our paycheck basically yeah. I yep. love that line because I love too how this movie furthers what Dan O'Bannon did with Dark Star where space isn't the stuff of like space opera like Glamour. Star Wars it's not super sleek fa- fancy scientists like 2001 it's just it's working truckers. class guys it's truckers yeah. exactly so when Tom Skerritt who's supposed to be the noble captain observes money safe like I, I love that that's yeah. something that he pays attention to and that he cares about um so, so another you have, to, you have to really think about the fact that that it is a tugboat basically yeah yeah exactly exactly uh there is the a... 70s was that blue collar decade when after watergate was like the government's fucking evil rich people man like they don't get it oh very much so yeah yeah very i mean yeah. that, that, this idea of the company too like i love how yeah it emerges as like a, a shadowy insidious thing in the background that it's more than the happy ash. to get these people killed. Yeah, and the, the ash reveal. Uh, yeah. Um, and the all the things Ash – this is something I've noticed before this film, but all the stuff Ash does that seems really human and just makes him seem weird is cool. Like you it's, – it's weird to watch it. It's hard to, pro, to, to project back to when – before you'd seen it and watch it as someone new. Like, you don't know who Sigourney Weaver is. You don't know who's going to survive. Oh, I would like, love that. I mean, I'm, I'm so jealous I, of someone who gets to watch Alien for the first time. Yeah. Well, we, we have uh, Chris Markinson watch it for, for, for oh. the first time. <laughs> he has he to know stuff about it, right? Yeah, I guess so. You got, yeah. That's you the sort thing. Of through, it's like, oh, there's four point. Alien movies with Sigourney Weaver, so he knows that. For him, it's, it's weird to see these actors looking so young to him. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time he watched it. But what, what's weird about that is that Tom Skerritt was 46 at the time of this. Yeah. Uh, John, John Hurt was 39. Uh, yeah. Ian Holm was 48. Harry Dean Stanton was 53. Uh, Yafa Kato was 42. And Veronica Cartwright was 29. And Weaver, yeah. and uh, she was uh, 30. So they, they weren't all that young but it was weird for him to see this for the first time he saw it for the first time he's he's our one listener he's our he's basically the reason we're watching this even though it was uh david's choice um uh chris is is largely responsible for us watching this and he's never seen it before so what did he say what was what was his takeaway what was his uh, reaction uh, he he said some things that actually resonated with me, uh, having watched this and Aliens, um, kind of back to back. Is that Aliens repeats a lot of the things that happen in this movie? Yeah, it's true. And it's weird how that happens, and I didn't recognize that until he said it, uh, and until I watched it again. Uh, it was it's it's a weird sort of feel. Um, the the low tech stuff here makes Prometheus weird for him. It just yeah. freaks him out, uh, and he wants to know. You know, he he he's uh, which he's, he's seen. Uh, Chris has been digging up some of Kelly's older writings, and uh, <laughs> Kelly once uh, said something about, "Would you rather be killed by?" The thing or alien? <laughs> uh, depends. depends. Nope, 
that's not an answer. Thing, you got to pick yep, one or the other, Kelly. Wand. That's not an answer. Yeah. I guess the thing, because the alien, the alien makes you suffer. That's the thing. It is evil. It's not what Tom was saying. It's, it's life cycle is all designed to hurt you. What the alien? <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's painful. Well, it's, th- th- it's also painful when a lion eats a gazelle. <laughs> it's, right. Yeah, but it eats it. The lion doesn't toy with it. Well, also, a chi- a childbirth is incredibly painful. I mean, that's what this movie, this movie, I mean, is about in a way childbirth in that and the pain of that. I mean, there's a which again is not evil alien... either. Like this is just part of the natural process. And as, yeah. as as human beings, I mean, part of the advantage of civilization is we don't have to be part of that anymore. Is that we we get others to kill animals for us, and we don't have to see animals kill each other. We're yeah. removed from the brutality of nature. That's out of right. our purview, and that's one of the luxuries of civilization. <laughs> uh, but it's not evil. That's the thing. When Werner Herzog, Herzog in Grizzly Man pronounces, I look into the eyes of the bear, and I just see the heartlessness of nature. Like, it's not evil that he's seeing. It's just the sort of the and existential... the shark's eye is just black. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's, it's the existential... Now nature is pink in tooth and claw. <laughs> but uh, so Tom, you said there were three things. That... So the other thing I noticed that I hadn't seen, that I didn't realize before, uh, when <laughs> when Yafet Kato has that famous line, "It's a robot. Ash is a goddamn robot." <clears throat> That's ADR. That's dubbed in yeah. after the fact, which I didn't realize. And it's like that is such a no duh line that I it's in there for the dumb people. Like I couldn't yeah. believe that you don't need to point out that he's a robot <laughs> at that moment because his head is backwards and there's all these weird bulbs and wires and, and white liquid spewing out of him. And I don't even think you should use the word robot at that point. Just let yeah. the audience figure out what it is. But at some point, Ridley Scott or someone at 20th Century or whoever said, uh, you need to point out that he's a robot. Let's get you fed in here. <laughs> Add some yeah. dialogue. We're going to put the that line in there. confused. What is it? Right, exactly. A machine with a that's, man. A, that's a famous line that I, I love that line and I quoted and I didn't realize I now real I don't like that line anymore. Is it after is it this yard over his shoulder? Well, yeah, he's not on screen when Parker's they say it. Parker's not on screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, 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 oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it sounds weird. Sounds yeah, you can weird. tell back then, especially when something is uh, is dubbed in afterwards. Uh, and it's clear. You can also tell when you're doing a shot, like when, when somebody says something super important and they're not on screen. It's on the other character, yeah. like in a two shot. Uh, scene, generally that was dubbed in after the fact because the director oh. realizes, oh, geez, we need to introduce this plot point or we need to give this character an incentive. And uh, so they, they clearly had oh, Yafet Kato say okay. that uh, yeah, okay. in ADR. Because our friend Alexandra, one of her pet peeves is when a, a shot is over somebody's shoulder and you see their mouth moving, but it's clear right, that right. that's not the words they're saying. Exactly, and that's ADR. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's where they, and that's where just things are edited together, where they want somebody's reaction to a specific thing that's not being said at that certain point. That's just part of the beauty of editing. And you're right, if you're if you're savvy to that, you'll notice, hey, his lips aren't moving to that that But then when you realize right why now. it's in there, it's it's such a bummer. Like like I was watching the movie uh, Envy with Ben Stiller and Jack Black. And like Jack Black gets rich in betting like a dog poo remover. That Barry Levinson? And there's a scene. Yeah, yeah. And there's a scene where they're walking really far away across a golf course. Like Jack Black moves. He, he like lives in a huge mansion across the street from Ben Stiller's character, like just twisting the knife. But it's like there's an ADR line where they're walking on a golf course. Jack Black's character, and you can see it's super far. His ADR, he's like, I want to live across the street from my best friend. It's like you tell the studio, he's like, we don't want him to seem like too much of a dick. Let's make him say something that's kind of like 
Yeah, he just wants to stay next to his friend. So it's uh, it, it's, it's unintentional. You get, that's Kelly one. That's called fixing it in post. <laughs> uh, and the third thing I noticed. <laughs> What's the difference? I do, I do not like. I'd for, I guess I didn't realize or I'd forgotten or I'd put it out of my head or I hadn't seen it recently enough where this thing starts to bother me. But that Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack, there's so much orchestra in places that I don't think it needs to be. And it really is scored like a blockbuster action movie. And I love that little two-note fading out thing that we associate with Alien. That's a great bit of the soundtrack. But I, there's all this orchestration over the landing sequence when it should just be their, you know, the crew's patters. Yeah. They're managing everything. And all of that stuff at the end when Ripley's running, like it, yeah. I'd forgotten how much, how conventional Jerry Goldberg's Goldsmith's score was. And that just annoyed me. He said that they made him do it like he had like a more mysterious thing. And then he's all, they made me do the obvious thing. That makes sense. Yeah. That, and, and then they, they, goes, they all loved it. Yeah. And he kind of says it all kind of bittersweet. That's, uh, that's a great observation, Kelly. I would, I would love to be able to have access to a compilation of, um, is original. Like, no, yeah. of anybody. I mean, I love soundtracks. I collect them. Um, I would love to have an. I would love to have access to. This was the original <laughs> thing I did, and they made me throw it away. Yeah. And of soundtracks. Well, Ridley's original ending of of the alien saying the stuff about in the log in Ripley's voice. Would that have made it better or worse? Was that a, I thought that was just your joke. No, it's a real thing, and he pitched it on the phone, and the studio was like, "What?" And he's all, oh, JK, JK. Like, they hated it. They're like, no, we got to kill the alien at the end, dude. What's wrong with you? His original ending was going to have that. Like, he kills, kills a river. Well, that's weird because it's sort of then, if, if the, uh, that makes the alien like a sentient yeah, uh, yeah. thinking creature that can communicate and stuff. And I never got the sense that that's what was well, going on. We don't know on. that it can talk. Then it's more like the thing. Right, uh, but I, I don't, you know, I, yeah, I just, I, I that just seems like a well, weird it's like the, it's like term- weird it's more like the terminator being able to mimic Jeanette goldberg's voice yeah but then still torturing Linda hamilton later so she calls for john i will say wow. it would ex- it would explain why the alien knows to get into the the shuttle because part of me you know i watched that and okay that's the slasher trope but could it also mean that the alien understands what's going on and knows where to be uh, like, it, it, is, uh, it, is it one step ahead of them because it's like listening to them? Because it, it's smart. It's not just an animal. Uh, and right. I don't think the later movies, like, I don't think the alien Explore ecology that. as it's developed over the movies really supports that. Because the opposite. But, but you could, I do think that just internally to this movie, you could make, I think, reach that conclusion. I don't know about the alien talking in someone else's voice, but you could say, Kelly Wan, if you're wanting to do something like, oh, they forgot the motion tracker. It's on the shuttle because it knows. Because it knows, and it, 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 it can sneak up on Dallas because it knows. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, like it, it knows when Lambert and Parker, when it can ambush them. Like, is it's it just, smarter it's, than but, the characters. But if it knows, yeah. why is it just taking a nap? Well, yeah, that, that's what I'm Rip, saying is I don't think I don't think it knows. You would just have to like, yeah. Does it just not care and know that he can't that she can't hurt it? Uh, like, is it just like, hi, ah, you're here with me and I'm going to eat you at my leisure? Yeah, and if uh, you stab me, then we're all dead. Ha ha. Well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing is that hey, with you're that squirting her- steam on me, damn you! Right. Sit down in that chair. And <laughs> well, you can't do anything to puncture its skin, which is actually pretty smart. Like, how are you going to prod it yeah. out of there? That's what uh, makes it suspenseful. Yeah, but it seems to be napping. 
Right. It's, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like it's got but, a full stomach or something. or yeah. But that's also one of the greatest uh, things. It's like, is there another horror movie where you see, because you can see the alien and the music's not cueing you. And Ripley just doesn't see it. And my mom was, when she first told me, she goes, you can see the alien in the shot. And everyone right. in the audience says, it's right behind you. Like the audience was shouting at the screen. Production, production design is such that it yeah it's the same like, color as the ship that's the beauty right, of the, right. i know and that's that's something that one that our third writer in her i mean robert perry cruz uh, talked about the uh the, Camouflage. the production design i mean yeah. it's it's that uh it looks like part of the ship but it yeah. but it's but it's also left lambert and parker just hanging there and hasn't eaten them Toy, and actually, we don't even know if it. We well, according to the the Dallas, like it's not eating people. According to the Dallas and Brett scene, is it's so taking their bodies it? to make eggs out of them? And oh. I guess it just didn't need Dallas and Lambert's body, or yeah. Uh, but there's it a theory because they yeah. have to keep them alive if if it's going to gestate something. Right. Well, it only wants to kill one of them on the shell because it knows. But, but also, but that's not that... the way the alien life cycle works because the the creature has to come out of the egg to in order to impregnate the mature alien can't do that right so it has to leave someone a lot yeah it's kind of screwed it's just going to die naturally anyway and not be able to carry but all on. the eggs are going to die on the planet unless someone answers a distress call so they have a fortunately weyland yutani will be bringing them a buffet. yeah yeah <laughs> nine years uh there's a theory that it leaves jonesy alive in the carrier because the original theory was, oh, it's got a face hugger in it, so Aliens is right, and there, her dream is canon. But there's another theory that because Jonesy is a fellow predator, it's all, oh yeah, you're like me. Or right. just knows it's not a. Threat. Well, I think that's clearly what's going on with uh, the the scene where the alien takes Brett in front of the cat, and where the alien sees the cat in the cat carrier, and the cat's just like sort of looking up at the alien. Yeah. It's a shot through the ears. But in the director's cut, Kelly Wan, does the alien like? push doesn't it kick the cat carrier yeah, away it does. yeah it does what? i hate that so, i hate by the way i hate the director's cut i hate i don't think the, i don't like the dallas scene in there I'm, I'm fully on board with that being cut i hate the fact that he thought it needed to be shorter and he's just like trimming the beginnings and, and endings trims of scenes a lot of good off. stuff out yeah well i mean that's part of the like alien is a movie it breathes and there's time it's a very 70s yeah. production yeah, in that yeah, regard yeah. He cut critical lines and he cut the line about dallas going yeah uh, they replaced my science officer with Ash after I shipped out. Boy, I I love the way that this movie is. Pay, I mean, uh, I think Chris Markinson was uh, said it felt slow at first, but then he started to understand why it felt slow. Um, uh, that that the, you you can't get away with that in something. Maybe uh, maybe it follows could get away with that kind of thing, that kind of movie. But the the thing where you're showing the blank computer screen, then the helmet, then the blank computer screen, then the helmet. Yeah. I mean, and you go back and forth, and you're taking that much time to do it. And we all know what's going to happen. Uh, but he just takes his time to do it. Yeah. And I freaking love that about this movie. I love how carefully it creates this environment of um of horror or of of just of creeping me out of of making space creepy uh just by taking his time to to uh, and i think that part of this i i honestly um 
I honestly do think that a lot of this has to do with uh, the editing of it. Um, I think that this movie is incredibly well edited. It was edited by uh, uh, Terry Rawlings and, and Peter Weatherly. Um, Ridley Scott disagrees with you, Dingus. Well, he's why <laughs> he uh, wants I, to he I wants to get to things quick. The director's cut is actually a minute. It's got an extra scene in it, but it's a minute shorter than the theatrical release. <laughs> given given all the things I've watched Ridley Scott do in the interim, I don't think he knows what makes his movies work. Um, so I I love I love that that back and forth between the computer screen and the helmet and the computer screen and the helmet. It's just weird and and I I. It freaks me out. I love I love that it freaks me out. And I love how long it takes John Hurt to wake up and that yeah. he's the one who wakes up and walks away and I, I mean that's I mean that's just great stuff. And it crossfades into an Altman breakfast scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's so slow and then it's slow, 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 then the planet and it's kinda of creepy slow but not as slow. And getting vi- like weird vibes from the crew, like yeah, they're all Bickering. It's weird to me that everybody you guys call dies it, in the third half. It's weird to me that you guys say slow because I compared to what happens later. Like the third half hour is like almost every character dies in right, but it's slow. But I mean, I, I think of slow as something where there's not much developing because there's a lot that's happening. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tension and there's yeah. new information being layered in. Like I, you know, there are movies from the '70s that are slow. They're way sure. slower than this. Uh, so, which is another reason that I think it's ridiculous that Ridley Scott thinks he needs to shave two seconds off the end of this scene and three seconds off the end of that one. Uh, he needs to, like, cut this before someone leaves the room. Um, I don't there's no shots it... in Star Wars where they just wander around the Millennium Falcon with no... while everyone's asleep. Yeah, welcome but to the that's... 70s. I know, <laughs> well, I th- but it, it th- doesn't th- feel slow to me either. I'm just saying. Right? I think that people don't understand character development as well now. Stately. Like a 1800s novel. <laughs> From yeah, the director no, they don't get character The duelist, yeah. And so much, when the dialogue happens, it's so quick and perfect every time, and all the care. And it's still organic, like John Hurt saying, "There's something different over here. I don't know what it is, but like." And it just kind of fades off, like that—that that really organic kind of dialogue you don't hear anymore. Yeah, yeah. That—that's what's Altman-esque, if anything. Like I, I do love all the crosstalk and. Uh, yeah. 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 Like it doesn't feel. And the like... way you get the characters just in these little tiny bits and and, and expressions, like when. Uh, when Kane goes walking distance and Ash looks excited, Ripley stares at it. She looks at Ash a lot, like, what the fuck is up with... Like, she's, she already can tell there's something not right about him. Right. So I really like that. That's something I notice in progressive viewings. But I really uh, fetishize me. Like, I watch, like, I've seen this movie 10, 11 times at least. Through my I, 20s. I love you bringing up that, because one of my favorite little moments, and this is something that goes back to what Tom asked before, and something I had I really hadn't paid attention to. Who, which? Um, so it's Parker and what's it's Brett. Yeah, Brett is Harry Dean Stanton. Parker's yet caught. Yeah. Up. yeah. So when when he gets his his pen handed back to him, yeah. he just kind of like, what am I supposed to? I mean, he just does this thing where he's like, "Yeah, what am I supposed to do with this?" And, and Dallas is sorry after he trips over stuff in the jump scare. Yeah. And, well, what do you guys think about the jump scares or the cat scares or whatever? Ugh. <laughs> I, I think they're cheap. I, I know where they are. 
Well, I know they're, but I also think they're cheap and they're they're always accompanied by a loud noise. And I, I really wish the movie didn't have them because I think it, it cheapens the movie. Uh, you know, a cat yeah, doesn't do doesn't sit in a closet and then wait for you to open the door and then leap out at you with a loud Sissing. noise. Repeatedly. Uh, he does it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. The cat, there are at least two yeah. literal cat scares. Yeah. Fucking Jonesy. Uh, there's a vent scare. We're like, uh, you know, and the, even Tom Skerritt dropping something in the operating room. I just yeah, he's I, tripping over the something cattle prod. That's what the Harry one I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, what jump scares. Think? I I just think are cheap, and I don't think the movie needs it. It's so creepy and it's so good, and it has other ways to release tension, and it's so predictable too. Is like I I guess with the the benefit of hindsight, um, but I really wish it didn't have jump scares. There's no, so like few jump scares that I like. Because it's the characters learning they're in a horror movie. Like, what's with all these <laughs> fucking jump scares? Well, like, you, I mean, you, you kind of excused the uh, let's let these characters go over here and I'm going to be alone thing. Right. But you won't excuse the like Tom. Oh, Garrett. I'll excuse it. I mean, I'm, I've, I, they're a reality of the genre. I just okay. don't think movies okay. need them, and I wish that directors like uh, you know, it comes at night has no jump scares, and it's one of the creepiest, scariest, weirdest movies. Hereditary has a few. Even the jump scare, like I adore Hereditary, and I wish it didn't have jump scares. Like I don't think it needs okay. them. There's but so it has much good cool ones stuff. That are different. Like that that is weird. true. Yeah, I I'm okay. Yeah, I'm I'm more okay with some jump scares than others. But I think that the jump scares in Alien are really cheap and poorly done and unne- unnecessary for the most part, especially it's the cat 79. stuff. Seventy nine. Yeah, seventy nine. But come I, on, the cat stuff is just absurd. It was the first one. What was it? There were no cat scares. Alien invented cat scares. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. Is that uh, true, Kelly Wan? Is that why we call them cat scares? You might be right. Uh. Well, there's just a bunch of them, and it's got right. a cat in it. So, what, who, what were horror movies with cats before this? That might you might be right. Yeah, there's a cat scare in Halloween too. So that's after Alien. No, it's definitely after Alien. Yeah. But the cat being in that little bin doesn't. Yeah. Make sense. <laughs> like it's living in there. Jonesy's the survivor of the Nostromo. Because Sigourney dies later. But Sigourney made thirty-five thousand dollars for this movie, and then for Aliens, she made a million and share of the product. And and uh, Dan O'Bannon, like he makes Dark Star, and then he goes to France to work on Dune, Yonarowski's Dune, and he gets he gets traumatized by that movie and depressed, and it, when it falls through, he goes he has to be hospital he goes into a sanitarium, and wow. then from that, Alien comes. So that Alien came out of that process. Kind of interesting. And he had something to do with Crohn's disease, and that's what he was thinking of. Oh, is that something that he, that he dealt with? Yeah. Oh, apparently. I didn't know that. I didn't okay. know that either, yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. So Robert Perry Cruz wants to say that he thinks that the creature effects haven't aged well. Yeah, those dumb – Kelly Wan's thing about the dumb fingers. I was – Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree, especially with some of the ways that it's shot. Like uh, – It's a guy in a suit. And it's also, people? but you know what? The, the the shark doesn't age well in Jaws. Jaws is still a great movie, but the shark just looks absurd at times. Like it, I think we're spoiled by later effects, um, and I don't mean CG. But CG's less scary. No, I don't mean CG. I'm just saying uh, th- there, there could be a lot of less is more with the alien. Like once he starts revealing the alien, there's especially a point where she sees it. I think in the corridor, and they have the actor like turn really fast <laughs> in the yeah. suit, and the head doesn't quite turn as well. Like I, it, it gets really awkward at times. And those the dumb teeth fingers, are awesome. oh, those yeah, dumb the fingers. fingers. The teeth are sweet. The teeth are are yeah, timeless. Are that it will yeah. never not look awesome. Yeah. But, uh, and its head's cool. 
Well, it's it's Ed is cool, but just the, the way the the poor actor has to move around in there sometimes. Like yeah, but you never see that. that. That's an area. That's a bit where I wish you'd cut a little faster out of a scene. Uh, well, I'm I, always, I think yeah. Kelly might have made a joke about this, but Robert Ferry Cruz says that uh, in that goofy suit, it makes the xenomorph look like he's trying to give Tom Skerritt a big old hug. To me, it looks like a yeah, little child wanting to be picked up. <laughs> it's like hold yeah. me, carry me. Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But I'm always wondering what the aliens smell like. Ripley smells them in Alien Resurrection, and they look like cockroaches, kind of. So they smell like uh, fennel. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder want, maybe, if they smell. Maybe like, one of these days yeah. we'll have the technology, and Ridley Scott can do a prequel that will feature that part of it. The characters don't react to the smell; they react they to finding its jism. And it has acid for blood, but they still put their fingers in it, like. <laughs> It's just it's it's spit, Kelly Wan. It's just drool. It's alien drool. Did you ever hear about the Vincent Ward Alien Three script that was going to take the Windmill Planet? Yeah, the Joan of Arc. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's even like there's an Eric Red script where the alien there's a giant chicken alien (laughs) at the end. It's not a joke, by the way. He was earnest about that. There's uh, Gibson's Alien 3 script. What's the, the Gibson, Gibson one? I, I actually Gibson keep one is the aliens get to Earth, which Sigourney okay. Weaver always thought was a dumb idea for some reason. No, no. I, I remember seeing a trailer I've read it. said on Earth, it's online, everyone, yeah. on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. Yeah, so yeah. That was, Wait, supposed but, to be, that was supposed to be a thing, and I was like, oh, that's great. That's a great idea. And it's Hicks and, and new, and Ripley gets a send-off because they didn't think she was going to be in it at that point. So Ripley gets a happy ending in the uh as it were well, we we um, have a movie where the like... the alien avp2 the aliens get to earth just fine those aren't canon those yes are they are canon. avp2 no, is, come on no. i'll defend avp2 aliens have been on earth before and ripley and the company doesn't know what the aliens are come on i'm not talking about near i'm talking about as a standalone movie avp2 and as part of an canon. alien tell alien narrative i'm totally on board with avp2 as an r-rated alien movie kelly wand in which kids die in which an entire town get, gets overrun by aliens. It's happened. Newt gets killed off screen. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, should well, we run, should we run through these other movies? No, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> aliens. It's hard to say because in a way, it sucks that there's even a second movie to me. Like I feel what? like aliens. Are you yeah. kidding me? Oh, uh, that should man. be the end of Ripley's story. This is it. That's it. One movie's canon. Rest is bullshit. But if any of, any of the others are can if put it this way, if Aliens is canon, then you have to go all the way to Alien Resurrection, and that's the problem. That's canon too. And that's ah, Joss Whedon ruined it. Fucking sucks. It's Why can't I just love Aliens? I mean, Aliens is a great. You can love movie. it. I love it too. But each movie, each is worse than the last one. It's a it's a diminishing returns. Aliens uh, is less than Alien. It always will be. Always uh, will be. Well, I disagree with you. You heard me. Robert Cruz says that he prefers the action scenes in Aliens. The action well, scenes are better, but they're action scenes. There aren't action, action scenes in Alien. Scenes. Yeah. The characters aren't as good. Not as good. Well, yeah. are, are you okay with uh, a, a newspaper? Uh, well, Soren calls it a newspaper being used as a uh, killing device. It's a porno mag, I think. It was gonna work if Parker didn't show up. So he knows what he's doing. He's not leaving any marks on her after he throws her around the bulkhead. Wait, why, Dingus? Why are you asking Kelly if he's okay with that? Oh, well, because uh, Soren Hoagland, our writer, one of our writer interns, says issue. that um, it's such a weird choice and not something a human being would ever think to do. Right. So that's better. 
Right. Yeah, which is what's great about it. It's a really weird. I remember as a kid seeing that. I mean, what is he doing? Why is that? But he's doing it weird. Like his hands are twitchy. Yeah. Like he's already broken. So I you think guys she broke know... him when she slammed him into mother because then he uh, starts bleeding semen. By, by the way, so a couple of things. Uh, why is her – I've always, this is, she's got a nosebleed after she comes out of the little mother pod, which I don't think yeah. is ever explained. I don't think so either. Yeah, so she, I wonder, was there supposed? did they film a different take where there was actual tussling? There was more tussling in the mother pod? Uh, but I've always wondered about that nosebleed. What's the deal there? Maybe it's and, just stress. And I, I think didn't, she got in a fight with Captain Marvel. Maybe she's doing a lot of blow. Maybe she's got psych, maybe uh, scan, she's being scannered. We don't I know. I agree, we're pilots of this. Yeah, yeah, another good director. <laughs> See, Tom? Um, Best time to be young. Uh, I've showed Dingus this, but Kelly Wan, you know about the the point where uh, Ian Holm looks at the camera, right? Like, have you seen that? Mm. I really looked for that this time when the when the thing when the uh, mobile or whatever the thing is tinkling over there. Yeah. So there, there's a there's a shot, and I didn't I never caught this. I someone pointed me to this video online where someone lays it out. But uh, clearly there's a, there's a point where the the cameraman when Ian Holm is manhandling Sigourney Weaver backs into some wind chimes and Ian Holm looks, you know, he doesn't expect that noise and he looks over and he's still in character and he covers for it just fine. But, and the camera even moves backward and you can see the wind chimes waving around where the cameraman backed into him. And even for the, the next shot for continuity, they leave the, they make the wind chimes wave around there too. But clearly he Ian threw Holm, Ripley through it. Right, right, right. That explains that. That's my explanation. But, but before he throws Ripley through it, they're moving after the cameraman walks through it. Because the cameraman is walking backwards. He bangs into the wind chimes. Ian Holm looks over. The cameraman keeps going backwards. And it, passing into frame are these little waving wind chimes. <laughs> He's walking I still through. like it because – I don't just like it. I just, I just – I, What I love about it – so there's all these what, drafts around. What I love about it is, uh, it, it just shows you how good Ian Holm is, and I'm more than happy to have that in there just to see how committed. Like Ian Holm is great in that. I would say, yeah, Ian Holm is easily the strongest actor in this movie, and that's just yeah. a great example of it. Is that he doesn't lose character when he's distracted by a noise that's not supposed to be there. And it's great that, that Ridley Scott left that in. The same guy who left the grip walking into the frame in Gladiator, uh, I like that he, <laughs> that he left that into an alien. Ash could have set off the chimes when he, before he went into Mother. Psychically? My, yeah. fav- my no. favorite thing Ian Holm does, I think, in this movie is when, uh, when he's talking about creating his... Uh, his uh, micro changes in air density. He is so put out like, with her having, having yeah. needing explained. She says, Fucking idiots. <laughs> she says, Fucking what's humans. It? She says, what's it key off? And he just rolls his eyes. I mean, I just love, he just does this little eye roll. I like, it is just such undisguised, just <sighs> annoyance. <laughs> why do I have to? Why do I have to she comes to talk to me, gives the polysaccharide speech. She goes, she goes, how's our guest? He's going, is that enough for you? And then he's, she goes, what's it mean? And then he's all, he starts answering. He goes, please don't do that. I love that moment, too. That's another yeah. bit where I think Ian Holm, that's such a natural moment. Yeah. And I don't know if that was improvised or if that's something, some blocking that they had done every time they shot the scene. But I watched that scene, and it's like Ian Holm, it's just so natural. Nobody wrote that. It just looks yeah. like nobody wrote that for him. That's just what his character would do. I love that. Ridley said, like, they were all trained actors except for Sigourney, and he said that oh. he told them to, like, play that up because she's less experienced, and this is her first movie. So ah. fuck with her. Like, make her feel like a dipshit. 
in every shot. And so, since they were all really experienced... That didn't even occur to me, because you have Veronica Cartwright's in The Birds, like all of them, and Harry Dean Stanton, of course, and Tom Skerritt at that point, like, as a leading man. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. So this 30-year-old girl comes in, and she's the survivor, and she's the, yeah, who's the Snow White over there? Right. Harry Dean, when he met with Ridley, he's all, "Uh, yeah, I don't like science fiction or horror, and Ridley's (laughs) all, all right, you're in, we need you. It's and just, he's all, it'll be like 10 Little Indians. That's how he convinced him. But yeah, that was Harry Dean's take. Like, fuck horror. Why is he showing up for it? Such a powerful <laughs> choice to play annoyed and be able to do it. Yeah. It's like playing bored or tired. I mean, to to be able to do that without making us feel bored or tired is is just boss. And in a horror movie, because I think your instincts would be, I want the audience to feel bum when I get killed instead of... Like, Parker's never likable, but he's also, I don't know, oh, one of my favorites. Parker's not likable? Are you Parker kidding? Is so awesome. oh, I think, if anything, bitchy. he's the voice of the audience. Wait, really? He's like he's, the badass. Are you kidding? He is a badass, but he's, like, always mean to everybody. He's like, he fucks with Brad. <laughs> no, but he's lovable. He's, nah, I don't, I don't, I, no, I think Parker's he's, super sympathetic. He's lovable because he... Get out of my seat, Ash! <laughs> when, he's, when he's doing his, like... Wipes I, it off. When he's moving, like... When he's moving as as if he were in a special ops group, but he has never been trained in that, he, he looks like he's been watching movies that have soldiers that move, and, <laughs> and, yeah. he, and he's trying to move in the way that they move. Like he's like doing that thing where they move really like super stealthy, and they're trying to go around corners, but he's a little too chunky, and a, he's a little too... Uh, excited to do it in the proper way and i love the way i love that choice that yafakato makes i love that i love that choice it's just such a great choice kelly thinks the audience hates him i think because he's reading a magazine while john hurt is in surgery although freezing him is a good question and he never gets a straight answer for it but it seems like he's always talking about money even after some of his friends have been dying yeah does that uh, come up after like, after Kane's death? I don't think it does. Or a situation, it? I'd get a bonus for Brett dying. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't Can think I have Brett share. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Exactly, Dingus. Right. I don't think they wrote that in there, but no, he might be Parker. thinking that though. <laughs> I take it all back, and also, um, I'm bummed you don't get to see Parker's fight with the alien very well because for obvious. Ridley's shortcomings, but it's all shot in close up. But like, what's happening? I know he gets knocked over by the tail, but is the is he is the, is the alien holding his right, arms? Right, right, and that's I don't I don't I don't I'm glad we don't know. We don't know. We we our only cue, and it's actually brilliant, is his face. Right. Is is Parker going ah? It's his face, and, and it's it is Veronica Lambert screams over the uh over the the Veronica intercom Lambert. that make that scene horrific. Veronica. Yeah, yeah. Not her, the quick shot. Her screams of, are amazing. Not the quick shot of the jaw going into meat. It's just quickly edited in there. It's his face, and it's her weird screams and reactions. Yeah. Lambert's an awesome character because she knows she's in a horror movie instantly. I know you guys. Like, I, let's get out of here. How about that tail going up? between her legs oh my god yeah yeah you guys are like i do you really get like is it weird for me to say that because we saw that movie youth and revolt there's a lovely young actress in it named uh, portia Doubleday, uh and my whole thing about wow she's gorgeous she looks like veronica lambert you guys don't think veronica it's lambert is cartwright. beautiful right Cartwright, Jesus, who's veronica lambert that's that's her character yeah, you guys don't think that veronica cartwright is beautiful 
Let's call him um, Tom, Tom Dallas. I think she's. I just. I think the reason Tom is in most of her movies, she's crying or throwing up uh, pits in Witches of Eastwick, <laughs> and so she's always getting downtrodden. And so it's hard for me to lust for someone who's always getting their ass handed. It's well, like lust. lusting I just think for uh, Paul Dano or something. <laughs> just looks stricken all the time. Yeah, she's stricken and body snatcher. Yeah, and in this she gets she gets such a raw deal. Right. And, and Sigourney's there beside her too. So it's kind of I, I just I I just think she's be. If I was on a spaceship, I would love for her to be the navigator. I like that she smokes cigarettes in this a lot. Oh, I love that people are smoking cigarettes in this, which is yeah. another reason it should be rated Truckers. R. But yeah, oh, yeah, the cigarette yeah, smoking yeah. is so cool. I love that in this. And when yeah. and when she's yeah. she's in the foreground and Dallas is like Lambert, you're coming out with us too, and she's all <laughs> and she's smoking the cigarette like. Oh, oh I love the way that is shot. It's shot yeah. over her shoulder while she's smoking, and um, John Hurt's character is the way they type and smoke and what's lounge. his name again. John Hurt is Kane. Kane. John Kane. Kane he says, Lambert. I'll go out first, and uh, and I think Dallas says, well, of course you will. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and the editing is such that it goes back over her shoulder while she's smoking, and she knows she's going to be chosen, and she's not going to say anything. And then yeah. he finally says, and Lambert's going with you, and she's like. Yeah. It's just this great bit of editing. And all she does on the – and I also like her line. I cut it from the office because we haven't kind of I like griping. Line. That's adorable. Yeah, I like griping. That's yeah, adorable. Yeah. Come on. It is It's adorable. so endearing. Yeah. Yeah. See, she's more likable than Parker. Yeah, she's the cutie <laughs> on the ship. Yeah. She is a cutie, and she gets really screwed, and I kind of like those in horror movies, like the character who's like, fuck, what? Why right. is this happening to me? Like, right. Jeez, exactly. excited to ask for this. <laughs> but I, I love the idea that John Hurt's character is the is the guy who's like, I I want to constantly go in. Yeah. What is his position on the ship? Like, I know what, what everybody else What are their positions? Do you? Well, I can tell you. Uh, uh, warrant officer. Ripley. Navigator, warrant yeah, officer, captain, uh, the engineers, and the science officer. I don't know what uh, John Hurt's position is, though. He's cannon fodder for Alien Eggs. <laughs> he, so he's but he's so, guys, check it out! He's so he's excited. Just red he's a red well, well, no, he's not, because yeah. I, I mean... Uh, and it's also, is it weird that they're... They're well, yeah, officers and they're not military. Like I know he, you would have a captain on a ship, yeah. but Ripley's a warrant officer. Like what? It, that's but maybe like the company. Military. It's like a Verhoeven. Future. Yeah, you know that it makes sense, like Kelly. Like a fascist, corporation. yeah, corporation. Yeah. Well, they operate under sort of. Uh, uh, or they just co-opt those terms like Navy. Blackwater. Uh, naval rules, basically. I mean, it's yeah. like oh, when right, you're right, off right. the ship, well, I'm I'm in charge. Company Navy. And, yeah. That makes sense, because in Star well, Star Trek, they're military, right? Aren't they? Whatever, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about real movies, real science fiction. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm so glad. Crude Star Trek flesh. I'm so glad this one. So, Dingus, we had three folks right in, right? Yeah, it was always a joy. It's always a joy to see Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, instead of some anime thing, we could have had to watch. I don't know your uh, name or Papri- Paprika. Or Quite that wolf stack <laughs> Talking about it's fun. Right. Uh, um, well, let's see uh, something more recent next week. Let's compare 1979 horror to... 2019 horror. Let's go see the Jordan Peele movie, Us. Uh, if you guys listening see Us, send your thoughts to 3x3 at quarter3.com. We want to know what you think of it. And also be thinking about your favorite one-eyed characters. 
If you see us, send us your comments by midnight March 31st, midnight Pacific, and send us your favorite one-eyed characters by midnight uh, April 7th uh, Pacific, and we'll read those on the air. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much, all of you guys who supported us for the fundraiser. Uh, it's just such a joy to see the things that you suggest, uh, and we so deeply appreciate your support. And we'll hopefully see you next week. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Murkowski. I'm Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand. Alien Resurrection's a baby. the old freezeritos huh guys i prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky observation reflection faith and determination in this way we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us all right and we have what eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oregai six is that a question yes sir? walter that's a question that is correct we have to go on we have to go on uh... <laughs> now go to sleep and don't dream. What? Who says that?